Hey everybody, it's Pastor Will. Welcome or welcome back to the Brazos Fellowship Podcast. Thank you for listening today. And at the end of this episode, please take a moment to subscribe to this podcast if you aren't already. But more importantly, I hope the following presentation inspires you to take the next step in your faith journey. Enjoy. Morning. I got a good morning. Good. Hey, my name is Sean. I want to welcome you. And if you are new with us, uh, I'm the executive pastor here. And Pastor Will will be back next week. And we're going to be kicking off a brand new series where we are talking about uh, God's wisdom for healthy relationships. And so you're going to want to come and be a part of that. It's uh, really going to be good. Uh, today, though, I want to ask you a question. And we're in church, so I'm expecting you to be honest. How many of you enjoy reality TV? Oh, you are so much more honest than last service. It's a multi-billion dollar business. Let me expand what reality TV is for me. Any TV show that is not completely scripted. Football games are reality TV. How many people like reality TV? <laughs> Sporting events are reality TV. Yeah, see, there we go. Because here's the deal. I don't care if you're in Britain and you're baking off. That sounded really terrible. I'm sorry about that. And that's going to be on video. Sorry, Corey. Uh, if you're in Britain and you're on the British Bake Off, or if you are uh, in America and you're trying to get a rose, or if you're trying to help somebody pick out a house, or you're wanting the Lombardi Trophy, we love our reality TV. The, my favorite one right now is on Netflix. It's called um, Formula One. It's about Formula One racing over in Europe. I don't know why I like this. I'm not a NASCAR guy. I've never been a race car guy. But somebody told me I ought to check it out. And I'm telling you, I'm addicted to it, okay? I know every one of the racers now. I know I, I follow along. I don't watch them, but I'll follow along and see who's doing well. But they just have a way of, of kind of getting in. It's, so it's basically to let you know, if you've ever watched... Um, Hard Knocks, that was called the, the football one, where it can't get behind the scene. It's the same thing, which for Formula One racing. So, but here's the deal. In every one of these shows, everyone is trying to get approval, right? You're trying to get approval. The person who wins gets approval. They become the best at what they're doing. And we all applaud them. And we like it whenever the people we like get the prize, right? It makes us feel better. But I wonder why that is. Because we wouldn't tune in if we weren't getting something out of it. But something, somehow, because the person that we're rooting for wins, in some weird way, we win. We get applause. When our team wins on a Saturday or on a Sunday, man, we feel good. Our chest is pumped up a little bit bigger. And isn't it funny that the country that's the most wealthy and has the most of any country in the world, and any country ever in history is in so much need of approval and recognition. I mean, we have a deep need for it. And we can see it. And I don't know why that is. Why would we so desperately need approval when we have everything? It reminds me of a verse that uh, Jesus says over in Matthew 16. And there it says this. And what does it benefit you if you gain the whole world but lose your soul? Is anything 
worth more than your soul. Could that be describing us? Could we have the whole world, but yet our souls are empty? Our souls are yearning? Our souls are in need? And we're desperately trying to figure out a way to feel that need? Because I'm here to believe that it's not a new job that you need. It's not a new house that you need. It's not even a new vacation that you need, and definitely not a new spouse that you need. The reason your life is in a mess, the reason why you're not satisfied, is because your soul is in need. Your soul is in need of the one thing that can feed it. And we're having a hard time feeding our souls. But let me ask you, if I asked you to, to give a definition for your soul, could you easily tell me what your soul is? I mean, this thing that we can't really live without. I mean, this thing that we talk about in poetry all the time. This thing that we, we, we had a hard time talking about the depths of our emotions, highs and lows. If we didn't have the word soul, can we actually define it, describe it, understand it? Or is it just that we say, it's that thing that, you know, whenever Daffy Duck gets hit over the head and it comes flying up, that, that's our soul. Is that the best we can do? You see, I think it's important that we can define this thing that, that plays such a big role in our life. And, and to do that, truthfully, I'm not wise enough to be able to give y'all a, a strong definition of it. But I've been highly influenced over the last few years in my theology by a guy by the name of Dr. Dallas Willard. And Dallas Willard was a, um, a minister, he's a Christian author, and he was the head of the philosophy department at USC. And so he is a really heady guy. And as much as I love Dallas Willard, I gotta be honest, Dallas is very hard to read. He does not know what an illustration is. It's just sitting in a philosophy class, basically. But theology is, is what it's about. But luckily, he had friends like John Ortberg. And John Ortberg is, is a fellow pastor and a mentor, was mentored by, by Dallas Willard. And he's taken several of his books, are really just him narrowing down or making it easier for all of us, for me. Maybe you guys could read Dallas Willard and find it easy. But for me, it's really, but Ortberg takes it down and makes it to where it's like, oh, I can understand that. I get that. His book, uh, Keeping, uh, Soul Keeping, is a wonderful uh, book. And uh, there he takes some of the ideas that, that Dr. Willard tries to say about uh, the soul. And he said, so I'd encourage anyone to read it. They would like to know more about it. And if there's something that you glean from today and go like, oh, that was really uh, inspiring. Let's give the credit to either Dr. Willard or uh, Pastor Ortberg because they are really the inspiration for this talk. But in describing the soul, Dallas Willard, you like to give a diagram to do it. And in that diagram, in the center of it, he would put the will. Our will is that thing that we all, we're, we're amazed at the will. Like, oh my goodness, they willed that to happen. I mean, out of nothing, they created something. Just they willed it to happen. The will is really good at doing big things. Like, hey, we're going to move to so-and-so. We're going to do this. We're going to build a house. That's our will, making a decision. We're going to move forward. But our will is also very weak. Because if our will was stronger, each and every one of us in here would have six-pack abs. 
If our will was stronger, we would all have what we wanted in our bank account. So the will is weak. Now the will has to fight with the mind, the next thing. Our minds are incredible things. They come up with plans for us to do, execute. They think through logically, but here's the problem with our minds. They also have a lot of fears. That's where all of a sudden all of our fears that drive a lot of what we do gets formulated in our minds. Are they real or not? I don't know. Is there a shark in this water? I don't know, but I'm getting out because my mind says there could be a shark in this water. And our minds need to be at peace. They're, it works really hard to stay at peace. And then there's our bodies. Now, our body is wonderful because without our body, we would have no way to execute what our mind and our will want to do. But our body has its own desires, has its own lusts, have its own hungers. And when those three are not aligned, we have turmoil. Many of you know that turmoil. Many of you are sitting in that turmoil right now. There's something that your mind wants you to do and your body's like, mm, we're not, we're not going to do that. Or there's something your will wants to do and your mind's like, mm, that's not, nope, let's, we're not going down that road. And you're in conflict. All three of these things need to have something instructing it. And that's the role of the soul. Our souls were designed to be the instructions for our will, our mind, and our body so that we could work as one. And I think a lot of us right now would say that our souls are not guiding us. Our souls are just the program of the computer of our life, telling us what to do, giving us direction. And the reason why our souls are the one that does that, because our souls are what God communicates to. Our, our, God doesn't communicate to our bodies and to our mind, to our will. He communicates through our soul to them be interacted. It's our souls that are the deepest part of us. And yet our souls right now aren't all healthy. So let me ask you again, Matthew 16. What does it benefit you if you gain the whole world but lose your soul? Is anything worth more than your soul? To lose our soul means to lose what sustains us. And right now, we are running on fumes. We have everything around us, and yet we're running on fumes because our soul has nothing to sustain us. Now then, the world doesn't like the word soul. It's too squishy. You know what I mean? Men don't like the word soul. It's too squishy. And so what we've tried to do is replace the word soul with self. Every self-help book is talking about self. You need to take care of yourself. You need to look out for yourself. You need to be self-sufficient. But that's not our soul. And I'll explain to you because this, that's not what Jesus teaches us. To have a healthy soul, he says, to forsake yourself, to pick up your cross and follow me. We keep trying to put ourselves on a pedestal to worship and have everyone worship us. 
and it's causing us to be sick. It's causing us to feel dead. It's causing us to wonder why we're so depressed and we have so much anxiety and we have so much fear, so much anger. Because our souls haven't been fed in a really long time. Our focus has to come off of us and onto the one who created us. That's the only way we gain a healthy soul. So how do we do that? How do we take the focus off of us and put it on to God? Well, Dr. Willard uh, gives us a few things. I want to look at two statements that he says, and I want to look at a statement by Jesus. The first thing that Dr. Willard would say if we want to have a healthy soul or to care for our soul is to ruthlessly eliminate hurry from your life. Ruthlessly eliminate hurry from my life. That sounds great, Dr. Willard. What does that mean? Let me ask you this and I'll put myself into it. Is there anything you've ever done in a hurry that you're proud of? Matter of fact, it's the exact opposite. Some of my most shameful moments have come because I was in a rush. Times with my girls. I can never take back happened because I was in a hurry. Time with my wife. Never take back because I was in a hurry. Times at work times in the community. When I've been in a hurry, I make mistakes. And I feel shame. And you probably do too. When you look at your life, the things that you're in a hurry, you feel shame, but yet we live in a society when hurry is the norm. We wake up in a hurry. We go to bed in a hurry. We're always running behind. We're always late. We all have something we got to get to. We all have one more email to send. We all have, we all have, we all have. And so we live life in a hurry. But Jesus never lived life in a hurry. Go read the Gospels. He was never in a hurry. And you may be thinking, well, that was easy for Jesus. I mean, life was so slow back then. Do you realize Jesus was a rock star in his day? There wasn't a community, a town, village, hamlet, community, city that he didn't walk into when he was the biggest show on town. And everywhere he walked, people wanted something from Jesus. They wanted to heal, a healing from him. They wanted a blessing from him. They wanted a teaching from him. They wanted to have a meal with him. He was in demand everywhere and anywhere somebody was buying for his time but yet there's something about jesus when we read it that jesus kind of puts off this aura of like it'll happen when it needs to happen it'll be taken care of the most important thing to jesus was the person standing right in front of him. jesus learned to live not in a hurry but yet we choose to live in a hurry I want to say it again. We choose to live in a hurry because hurry gives us status. Hurry gives us nice houses. Hurry gives us nice careers. Hurry gives us nice vacations, vacation homes, boats, golf outings. We believe that hurry is the key to our success. And it's killing our soul. 
If we want to take care of our soul, we've got to learn how to slow down. Jesus was incredibly successful. He took care of the people in front of him, but he also took care of his disciples and his apostles, the people that would create the thing that we're setting in right now, the church. Jesus didn't have to be in a hurry to accomplish. God's inviting us to slow down. But how do we do that? How did Jesus do it? Well, he practiced what Willard would say is the next thing that we need to do to, to take care of our souls. Arrange your day so that you are experiencing deep contentment, joy, and confidence in your everyday life with God. Deep contentment, joy, confidence. Huh? This is what I mean. It's page after page. What do you mean there, Dallas? Is that just a quiet time? Quiet time's part of it. I think Dallas would say, guys, it's not what you do with the first 15 minutes of your day. It's what you do with the next 23 hours and 45 minutes of your day that give you deep contentment and contentment and joy with God. How do we squeeze in just a little bit of time with God? I think it's going to sustain us our entire day. But Sean, how would I do more of that? You're right. We're busy. This is what our lives look like. We get up each day. Hopefully we have time for a quiet time. And that's going to fill up our soul. And that's our beautiful soul, right? You all know your soul look like that. And so we get up in the morning and we go, Oh God, thank you so much for your love. Appreciate it. I'm full. Now let me go to work. Because at work, that's really what's going to sustain me. If I get the right career, man, life is going to be good. College students, let me say this to you early on. Your passion is not going to make you happy. Your career is not going to fulfill you. And if you are stuck worrying so much about what you're going to do and that you're on the right career path, you're never going to find it. Because those of us that are older, I love my career. It doesn't sustain me. But man, we keep looking for it. We keep looking for our career. If I get that one promotion, if I get that one raise, if I get that one thing, then man, I'm really going to have it. If I start my own business, oh man, then I'm really going to have what I need to really make my feel good. If I, if I, if I. So man, we go after our career. And our career can't feed our soul. Well, maybe if I had the right relationship, that's what I need. I need... I need a wife or a husband to fulfill me. If I could have that, then, oh, man, my soul would be complete. I'm just going to tell you right now, your spouse can't fulfill your soul. And you're doing an injustice to try and make them do it. People are getting divorced right and left because they're mad at their spouse because they're not feeding their soul, and it's not their spouse's responsibility. I mean, it's my kids. I mean, we got married and everything, but we're not really going to be complete unless we're a, a family and so we need to have kids, and our kids will sustain our soul. And man, we're trying. We're trying. We're putting our kids on pedestals, and, and we're asking them to feed our souls. And I'm telling you right now, your kids are going to rebel. They're going to get older. Just like you're upset with your parents, because you, they're expecting you to feed their souls. They had you, and now you're responsible for their soul. And you're, no, I'm not. Your kids aren't either. 
They can't feed your soul. They weren't designed to feed your soul. But we keep trying to do it. Well, maybe if I had enough money in retirement, maybe if I had um, a great uh, vacation home, maybe if we went on vacation, that's what I need. A good vacation's all I need, and my soul's going to feel better. It's not. These are the things we get up every day looking to feed our souls with. These are empty calories. We keep stuffing them in, and they're not giving us anything in return because they weren't designed to feed us. There's one thing and one thing alone that's designed to feed us, and that's God's love. He tries to give it, and there's no place for it to go because we have filled ourselves up and our souls up with false promises, achievements, illusions. We've got to make room in our soul for what it's dying to feed on. God will not make us feed on His love. He loves us too much to force Himself on us. We have to make room for our soul. We have got to decide this is important. We've got to take out all the things that we keep believing are going to make us happy. We keep believing are going to be the thing that cures our ills. If we just do this, if I just take care of that, if I finally get this, if I finally find somebody, you've got to take it out. We got to stop putting our faith in these things because it's just killing us. Our souls were made for one thing and one thing alone, and that's God's love. And here's the deal our souls have an unquenchable appetite because they were made for God's love, which is unending. We have to have God's love in our soul if we are going to be healthy. It's the only thing our souls are made to feed off of, and our souls are what feed our mind and our body and our will. And if we're not feeding it the right thing, we're in conflict. But I'll tell you right now, it's hard. This isn't easy. Because the way that I get rid of this right here is I have to let it go. Yeah, your dreams, you got to let go. Your will, you have to let go. This is what Jesus teaches us. The most walked over verse in the Lord's Prayer is this. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as in heaven. We say it, but do we mean it? Oh yeah, I want God's will for my life. As long as it aligns with my dreams, my desires, my hopes. You see, Jesus' life was about doing God's will. He never once fed his soul on anything other than God's love. That's the reason why whenever he would walk out, he wasn't in a hurry. 
That's the reason why he was always completely in deep joy and contentment with the Father. Because he let go of his will. And you sit there and go, well, that was easy. He's Jesus. Jesus knew how hard this was. Jesus came to show us who God was. He came to, to show us God's love. But he came to die for us so that we could have a life with God. And in that moment, we see how hard it is to give up and let go. In the garden, Gethsemane, Gethsemane, right before Jesus' death, right before his arrest, we hear an honest prayer to show that Jesus knows how hard this is. There he says this, My Father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. This is it. This is the moment when all that Jesus came to do was right here. And in this moment, there's this truthful prayer, God, I don't want to do this. This is going to hurt too much. I can't handle this, God. Please let this pass from me. This is not easy, what Jesus is asking us to do. And he knows it. But he also knows there's only one path to peace. So that's why the next line is so true. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will, God. Three more times, two more times he comes back and gives us the line, your will be done, God. Your will be done. And in that, we see that just because God's will is being done doesn't mean that it's easy. Doesn't mean that there's not hurt. But it does mean that there's peace. Because from that moment on, to the cross and to his resurrection, Jesus is in pain, but he's in peace. And peace is what we're all looking for. Peace and reassurance, it's going to be okay. And that only happens when we let go and we trust the Father. So how's the health of your soul? I'm going to read Matthew 16 again one more time. And what does it benefit you to gain the whole world and lose your soul is anything worth more than your soul? Have you sold your soul out? In search of something that might fill? Are you wrestling right now with letting something go? It's not easy. But I promise you, once you let it go, you'll find the peace that you're looking for. You see, Jesus teaches us that we take all these things that we're putting before God and we lay them at God's feet. And he says, thank you, I'll take them. And then we just trust. I'm not saying, guys, that we don't just, we just walk through life without plans for how we have a job and how we have a career 
We have those things. We have families and we have kids. What I'm asking is, what are you asking from those things? Are they the source of what you're looking to fill your soul? And if they are, let them go. Because they're empty calories. They can't give you what you're looking for. One thing and one thing alone can feed your soul. And that's God's love. You see, God heals and God saves our souls. But we are our soul's keeper. It's our responsibility to make sure that the poisons of this world do not get in the streams of our soul that God has cleansed. We have got to be diligent each morning, each day, each afternoon to realize, oh, that fear that I'm feeling, that's got to go to God, not to this. That worry that I'm feeling has got to go here. My need for control has got to go to God. Because if not, our mind, our body, and our will will constantly wrestle with us. And we won't be at peace. And God wants us so badly to be at peace. That's one of the easiest ways to slow down, to connect with God and find deep joy in God and to let go is to praise Him. So I'd encourage you to do that not just today, but each and every day. Find time in your day just to stop and pray to Him, praising Him for what you have, what He's done for you, and what He cares about you. Don't make it just a morning thing. Figure out a way to live your life each day as praise. To remind us of this, we're going to sing one more song. And I've asked the band to come out and play for us. It's a song of praise. It's, it's a song that I really enjoy, and it's a song that I hope you'll enjoy. It's called Here as in Heaven by Elevation Worship. And what I love about the song is it just reminds us that to have the joy we want, we've got to learn to live in His will, find peace in it. There's a big guitar solo in the middle of the song, and at the end of it, the verse is going to change. And in that, he's going to say, a miracle can happen now because the Spirit of the Lord is here. The miracle that can happen is that God dwells in us. He chooses to make his home in our soul. All we have to do is invite him in. Once again, thanks for listening. If you live in the Brazos Valley, we would love for you to engage with us at one of our weekend services. For directions, service times, and information about our fabulous children's and student environments, visit us at brazosfellowship.com. That's brazosfellowship.com.